Welcome to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. In chapter 55 of Isaiah, verse 11, God tells the prophet, So will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Standing on this promise, T.D. Stubblefield Ministries is committed to sharing biblical principles with individuals, families, churches, communities, and our world, believing that only the Word of God can advance us in God's perfect plan for our lives, where we can experience liberating faith, lasting hope, and unconditional love in a relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Dr. T.D. Stubblefield with today's Advancing Word. There is a word for us this morning from the epistle of Paul to the Romans. Romans chapter 1 verses 13 through 17 is the focus of our text and our preaching today. I want you to commit to reading this entire first chapter as you have opportunity. Now I would not have you ignorant brethren that oftentimes I propose to come unto you but was led hitherto that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Amen. Amen. Particularly of note are Paul's words in verse 15. So as much as in me is, I am ready. I am ready. I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. I want to preach a little while from this text and its larger context in this letter of Paul and and in the New Testament. I want to lift this thought before us today, a ready witness. I believe that you would agree with me that motivation is still a challenge in the life of the church. Motivating people, getting people involved, getting people to be committed is still a challenge in the life of the church. Pastors spend an inordinate amount of time trying to get people motivated and involved in the worship and the work and the witness of the church. I love that passage that is so often used in our evangelism ministry, but sanctify the Lord God in your heart. And here it is, be ready. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you for a reason of the hope that is within you with meekness and with fear. This text announces Paul's readiness, Paul's preparedness, Paul's predisposition, Paul's willingness 
to preach the gospel. Paul said, I am ready. You know, interestingly, uh, I, I love, because scripture must be compared with scripture, I love the fact that at the end of his life, when he is in a Roman prison and he is anticipating martyrdom and execution by the Roman authorities, it's the same predisposition. It's the same mindset that drives him. You know what he says? He says, for I am now ready. Over in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he says, for I am now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I've kept the faith and I finished my course. He was ready at the start of his ministry and he was ready at the end of his ministry. Somehow, every time I encounter this text, out of nowhere comes the Energizer Bunny. The Energizer Bunny debuted in 1994 and has become a marketing icon because the Energizer Bunny just keeps going and going and going. Boy, I wish there was more church folk like that. Sometimes church folk are like old cars. They start missing before they quit. (laughs) Too often we need our points adjusted. We should be always ready, but so many times our points are misfiring. And so when I saw this in the text, I had to ask the text a question. What, what are the characteristics of a ready witness? There's four things in text I want to share with you. First of all, a ready witness has a, a purpose that compels them. A purpose that compels. This characteristic, while implicit in the text that we read, it's explicit in this chapter because in the very first verse of the chapter, Paul says that I have been called. He says, I'm not doing this arbitrarily. I'm just not winging it. I'm just not showing up. There's a purpose that compels me. Not only does he say there's a purpose that compels him, he says, I've been separated. The the boundaries of my life have been mapped out and marked out, and I can't do what I want to do. I have to do what the Lord wants me to do. Paul says, I've been called. There, There is a purpose that compels me. And you know what that purpose was. I mean, Paul's call was spectacular. It was sensational. He wasn't even anticipating a call. And he was on his way to Damascus to persecute the saints that lived in that area. And on the Damascus road, God spoke to him. And that moment became a primary and pivotal focus in his life. In fact, when you read the book of Acts, many times he goes back to that place. In fact, in the audience of King Agrippa, he sat 
as he related his testimony, he said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. You don't have to be motivated by somebody else or jump started when you know the Lord has laid his hands on you. Paul had a purpose that compelled him. A a horizontal focus alone will not sustain you or me. We have to know that the Lord has spoken to us. Has he spoken to you today? Because if he speaks to us, that still small voice is atomic and it will motivate us to be a ready witness. Paul said, I'm ready because I have a calling on my life. I have a claim on my life. So there is a purpose that compels us if you are ready witness. There is also a power that complements us. He says, for in the text, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God. The power of God is uniquely revealed in the gospel. In fact, what you have to understand is that power and gospel are not in an antithetical relationship in the text. They are used synonymously. In other words, the gospel is power. Y'all didn't get that. It's not saying that the gospel is powerful. It's saying the gospel is power. And God has uniquely manifested and revealed his power in the gospel. In fact, I like to think of it this way. The gospel, the gospel is a ghost spell. See, when you really have embraced the gospel, you are like Paul with this purpose, but it manifests itself in a ghost spell. You got a ghost spell. You got a spell on you. There's a ghost spell. Like, like the late Bishop Fulton Sheen said, problem in the church is there's too many come-comes and not enough go-go. When, when you have a purpose that compels you and a power that complements you, you have a ghost spell. If you have a ghost spell, the ghost spell, it means you'll go to church. You'll go to Sunday school. You'll go to Bible study. You will go to the tide box. You will go to prayer meeting. You will go to your knees. Every now and then, you will go to your neighbor. And you will go to your enemies. He said it is the power of God unto salvation. And the word translated power is not the word for delegated power, endowed power, operating power, or manifested power. It is the word for inherent power. In other words, if you have the gospel, if you have embraced it, this is a part of the package. It's not optional equipment. Weak Christian is an oxymoron. 
Because we are not weak, we are strong. We are more than conquerors. Through him that loved us. I love the way Mark's gospel ends. The long ending of Mark. Some say it's spurious, some says it's not in the original, but I believe it speaks somewhat to the church's confidence and awareness that not only was God in them, not only was God for them, but somehow he was working with them. Bible says, the gospel Mark ends with, and they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them. See, when I stand up to preach, I have a sense the Lord is standing up with me. When I walk into a hospital room or into a crisis situation, I have the confidence that the Lord is with me. There's a power that complements us. The word of God is powerful. There's a power that complements the ready witness. There's a purpose that compels the ready witness, but there's also a priority that constrains the ready witness. The power of God, here it is, unto salvation. The soul business of the church is soul business. We have an undisputed monopoly on soul business. This is what God has called us to witness to is to salvation. It is only the church that received the command, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit unto salvation. Literally, for salvation. It's like, and, and we miss it in translation. It's kind of like this. If you saw signs that Jesse James wanted for robbery, one way of interpreting it is that Jesse James is wanted so he could commit robbery. The other way of interpreting it is Jesse James is wanted because he's already done a robbery. And the inference in the text is salvation has already been completed. It's nothing we got to do but receive what God has already provided. And we are God's witnesses unto salvation. Salvation is a completed act. When Jesus died on Calvary, he said it is finished. Said it's finished now with the implications that it will always be finished. That's what teleteleste means. It's it's finished. Not not I'm finished, but it is finished. And just to prove it was finished early Sunday morning, he got up with all power in his hands. And every living person who doesn't know the Savior can become a part of this salvific reality, this salvific promise by receiving what the Lord has already provided. And we need to share this power unto salvation. And so there's a priority that constrains us. There's a power that complements us. There's a purpose that compels us. But finally in the text, there's a promise that comforts us. 
Where is it in the text? It says, for therein. You see it right there in verse 17? For therein, in that place, at that point, at that location, which is the gospel, at this place, not in a small group meeting, not, not in a business meeting, not in a 501c3, but therein, in the gospel, in this spot, in this precise location, in this core specificity, therein is the righteousness of God revealed. The righteousness of the one who became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God which is in him. In that place can we find purity. In that place can we find hope. In that place can we find healing. It is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live. Not the self-justified, but those who have been justified. The just, and we miss it in translation, it doesn't mean live and die. It means shall keep on. Oh, I wish I had somebody. You know, one day I'll have to leave this body. The just. That just means that I have moved from one location to another location. The just shall keep on. If you miss me preaching down here, I'm going to preach up there. The just shall live by faith. I started this sermon out talking about energizer. I want the end talking about die hard. <laughs> Do you not know the die hard car battery came out in the 60s with the promise, the caveat, the claim that the battery was guaranteed forever. That's why they call it die hard. And here, here was the condition that it was guaranteed forever as long as the vehicle was in the possession of the original owner. I know who made me. Yes, he did. And this vehicle, it is still in the possession of the original owner. And when I got saved, he put a die hard Deep down in my spirit, do I have a witness here? And it does not yet appear what I shall be. But because I got a die hard on the inside, it's guaranteed forever. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard what the Lord has. And although it is appointed unto men once to die, and after death there's a judgment, my die hard tells me. When this earthly house of this tabernacle does dissolve, I got a building, I got a building, I got a building. Sickness may come, but I got a die hard. Frustration may come, but I got a die hard. Disappointment may come, but I got a die hard. The owner said, the manufacturer said, that as long as he owns the vehicle, the battery is guaranteed forever. 
You have been listening to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. We pray that you have been encouraged with what your ears have heard and your hearts have felt. Explore our website at tdstubblefield.org for more information about us and to obtain resources provided by T.D. Stubblefield Ministries. Until next time, be blessed and remember to stop stressing and start stepping, advancing in faith, hope, and love by reading and applying the Word of God so you can stand on certain truth for uncertain times.